You might be here because you thought it was about golf. Or maybe you're here because you just love hearing Australians talk amongst themselves. Or maybe you're here just because you were looking for a club with girls in it. Whatever brought you here, we've got your back. Celebrating the Australian Football League St Kilda Football Club. Whether you're near or far, as long as you're not a Collingwood supporter, you're welcome to join us. Two, Two girls, one club. So, what are your thoughts? Tell us about your recordings, your commentary from round six, the devil's number. So I've got some notes written in my phone. One particular highlight I would say is imagine being sponsored by KFC, which any listeners who aren't familiar, Port Adelaide, our opposition in the past round, are sponsored by KFC. I thought that was a bit misleading because they can't eat it. Exactly. And also it's just a bit like, really? (laughs) Of all the sponsors, of all the people who approached you with some money for your club, you wanted to put KFC on your jumpers? Oh, it's pretty good chicken. Mm, Debatable. You can tell who's the vegetarian. Welcome back to Two Girls, One Club. Thank you for the response we've had. Uh, Some people had no idea what we're talking about and maybe we'd like to keep it that way. One thing that I want to reiterate is that this is really a subjective, not necessarily expertise-driven podcast, okay? It's it's fan-based commentary, fans who have not read the rule book. So please bear that in mind. We take no liability for your disgruntled demeanor. It's just a bit of fun. It's just two girls and one club. That's it. That's it. So you can't join. We're so we're so glad that we've already had, you know, quite a few people tuning in. We're now available on Apple Podcasts as well. So we'll be reaching a much wider audience. No offense to those we've already reached. We've now got an email address for comments and questions, but no concerns, please. It's stkilders 2 girls at gmail.com. I'll spell that out. That's S for Sam, T for Tom, K for Kangaroo. I for igloo, L for lima, D for dog, A for apple, S for Sam, the number two, G for nat, I for igloo, R for Roger, L for lima, and S for Sam at gmail.com. I'd like to start with a quick quote. Oh, she has a quote. Even after a poor crop, one should sow again. For often losses due to continued barrenness of an unproductive soil have been made good by one year's fertility. So, you know, one of the biggest impressions I came away with after yesterday's game was I don't want to watch footy anymore. And this is just so depressing. I don't even want to record this podcast. It's just there's there's no point. We're not going anywhere. And that quote helped me remember that crops bloom and wither and we've withered a lot but hopefully with a tall crop like Max King. I'm going into the games at the moment like particularly yesterday not excited whereas before it was like I'm so excited it's nerves because you went into yesterday not excited at all. No like maybe a little when when Jack Higgins kicked that banana of a goal in the first quarter. If you're just tuning in um we lost (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by 
not as bad a margin as to Richmond. I don't actually know what the margin was. We played quite a good first quarter and then bar like getting set up for goal and kicking a goal, we were pretty good until what, end of the third quarter? I think like mid-second, to be honest, I felt like everything fall, fell apart. So just to just to confirm what the margin was, so we played against Port Adelaide in Adelaide and uh, they, they beat us 93 points to 39 points. And just to illustrate how terrible that margin is of our kicking efficiency we got five goals to nine points and I believe at half time we only had two goals I just want to talk about one thing before I forget to the McKenzie hit I thought there was nothing in it like you but I think it's just one of those things that the AFL is really clamping down on with any kind of head knock that happens as a result of another player you kind of automatically get this one match ban or what depending on the result of the head not really basically just wanted the ball like any AFL player ran onto another player who was I believe running with the ball or kicking it off to someone shouldered him like all players do it's a contest it's a good contest but that player's head and McKenzie's sort of collided as a result of the shouldering which turned out looked like quite a heavy knock for that other player the AFL are really clamping down on this general concussion that does happen in the game and has caused a lot of early retirement in players like Kobe Stevens who used to play for St Kilda ended up having episodes of concussion I think seven or eight times which led to him having to retire and it's it's a fair thing to do I you know the safety of the players is paramount and you can no longer sort of fling a player to the ground with their head sort of being exposed. You know, the other reason that that is a rule that's really important is because of the long-term effects of concussion that we've seen in NFL players in the United States. There's one player, Caleb Daniel, for the Bulldogs who wears protective headgear. He's worn that protective headgear since he was a kid because his mum said he could play AFL as long as he wore protective headgear because he's very, very small for an AFL player. Wow, that's so nice. That, like, good for him, though, you know, good for him. I, I will say that one thing that I like about our game is despite the pushing and shoving, which is always, it's usually in earnest. You don't get the same thing as you do with soccer players, like rolling around on the ground, you know. They got hit in the right ankle and they're clutching the left and they're screaming, and uh, you know, but then they're also somehow waving at the ref. We don't get that. There's a certain level of integrity, I feel like, in our game where it really is the priority of everyone to keep everyone safe. And then everyone ends up having a better game too. Completely, completely. And definitely you always see... If a player gets cops a bad hit, the player who did it nine times out of 10 by accident walks up to them, makes sure they're okay, you know, taps them on the shoulder. That's part of the pride of it, for sure. In my notes on my phone from watching, my first sentence is, Higgins goal, exclamation mark. And then it's all downhill from there. (laughs) I love Jack Higgins, though. Let's have a listen to my recording, initial thoughts from quarter one of round six initial thoughts um higgins goal was amazing also the fact that he didn't really celebrate made me think it didn't go in that's the last time i felt any measure of hope was probably in the first quarter that goal really was great i thought it was odd that higgins didn't celebrate either i wondered if the port adelaide supporters said something 
because of course, you know, it's a game in Adelaide. It was packed with Adelaide supporters. It also felt like we were playing the kind of game that subverted the kind of game they wanted to play. And that's why we were winning the ball because we were kind of playing, we were playing fast, but we were also playing low. I wonder if Higgins didn't celebrate because it was the first goal in the first two minutes of a four quarter game against a really good team. And he was like, great, but let's get on with it in a way. That's highly possible. Hopefully we'll be able to ask him one day. I felt like the reason that this game was so disappointing and it made me want to quit watching and like leave. Even when it was in our forward 50, I just felt that there was just nothing that was going to happen. You know, it was, it's terrible when it's right near your goals and you just go, yeah, like that's going to happen. The worst part about this game was that we didn't have any promising signs, any mini wins. We were so low scoring. We couldn't kick the ball straight that when you don't even have any kind of sign of excitement or momentum at all, like if we'd been thrashed, but we had some really good moments as a supporter, I would have felt sufficed. And Tim Membry, I thought, gosh, he played so well. He was exceptional. I feel like he took on all of the feedback and was just absolutely going all out to give everything that he could give. And that was, it was so moving and incredible. Yeah, exactly. And he, there was one point where I watched him run from the, our forward half to the other and then catch a defensive mark. And I was just like, what? On you, Tim. It's a shame that Mackenzie will miss this week because he is really great, but I don't think that'll stop him getting picked the following week. You know, I was asking myself, what is it that's letting us down? And of course, you know, pressure and dynamic ball play are just a couple of the things. Port have a lot of like kind of seamless class on us, but I think the biggest thing for me, the difference between last year's exciting games and today's non-exciting games, is that our team doesn't feel connected to each other. We're not playing together. We're not playing intuitively. We did in the Eagles game, you know, we were handballing so quickly. Everybody was so in sync. And I know with some changes in the top 22 and the injuries, it makes it difficult. But I just feel as though now players are out there and they're really disconnected from one another. I wonder if having to be locked down together during the pandemic fostered more of that intuitive connection on the field. And now everyone's disjointed and living their own lives again. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like they're connected to one another. We don't feel like we're playing as a unit. We don't feel like we're playing with care for one another in the same way anymore. So that leads us quite well into this week's journal section. So Bianca, if you want to pull up article one by... Sure. Luke Michael, entitled Saints Face Crisis of Confidence, Ken Hale's Composed Power. So for this one, I've got a voice recording, which we'll play here now. I think a little bit of personnel, a bit of continuity in our team. Marshall's played two games this year. You know, Jones has, didn't play the first game, but, you know, missed last week. So there's a bit of continuity um, in our team. And, uh, yeah, that's that's partly true. And it's partly the game. The game's changed too. And trying to adjust... You know, the rotations, uh, the length of games, your players are trying to find a way and, and our style of play as well isn't shining through how we'd like to. So, yeah, there's sort of a few things there, but I think we need to get some confidence back. And, yeah, we finished the game all right, you could say, dominated field position, 
but it was three goals to two goals two or two goals three we still couldn't get our our rewards so what do you think of that b particularly i wanted to ask you what you think of what ratten says about personnel being uncomfortable with each other which is sort of what you just said that was when he was asked about how he played in the previous season and he does mention something later on in this interview and in this article about how he suspects our poor form is due to the new rules hindering our style of play. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, I don't know enough about the new rules and that's sort of a bit of a mismatch too, isn't it? Is it because we're used to playing in the usual style of play and he's adjusted that plan or he's still trying to play in the same style of play and, but, but, adjust it slightly for the rules rather than changing the style of play what do you think he's speaking to there I think he's speaking to the new man on the mark rule because I think our style of play is very quick and snappy particularly because we have small forwards who like to get the ball on the ground and go and kick quick goals so I think when you have this man on the mark rule where in defense when the opposition marks it you can't move you can't add that quick style of pressure that we're used to I think it is perhaps jarring our players just to clarify there too um the opposition member who can't move is the one who's currently tagging or on the man who caught the mark everyone else of course can move as usual basically there was still a protected area where you couldn't just tap the ball out of the player's hand or it would be 50 meter penalty but now it's specifically you can't move your legs I just think also what's frustrating is that they don't always regulate it, you know, and the commentator called them out on this and in, in this game. Some of the time they were enforcing it and people got 50 and then the, and then the other half of the time they weren't. And of course it's more frustrating when you're the side that, that they're not regulating that. And so you lose out, especially when you're doing, it's already challenging in a game. Completely. I think you're referring to, it was quarter four, one of the players ran past Max King and ran into that protected area, not being the man on the mark, but just another player moving through the ground. And automatically that would be 50 metres because you're in the protected area, which happened in quarter three, quarter two for Port Adelaide. Yet when it happened to us, you know, no 50 metre penalty. I think that if they're able to spend time with each other off the, off the field together in some way, like how they were doing a lot of mindfulness work last year, I'm sure that they still are, but it's probably not as intense as it was when they had to live together all the time. I actually really think that that would translate onto the field because they just, they would unconsciously know more about how to work with one another. Totally. If you look at article number two, this article is by Tom Morris for Fox Sports. He basically is analysing an interview with Lee Montagna, who for St Kilda fans will know is one of our great players. I say he was being a bit harsh because I felt like last year we melded really well together. But then again, you did just say we were living in a bubble in quarantine together. And it also was a pretty consistent 22. One thing that I took away from Ratten's press conference was your entire season isn't always able to be captured in one match of course if we end up if this is how the rest of the season goes then sure yeah our matchup against Port could be the thing that is like this is St Kilda for 2021 but I think he understands that it's a long game I think he understands that we've been up against the best teams on the side and it's a different kind of game this year and I sensed that 
he has a longer term vision and is really trying to see if that actually plays out or not. Definitely. And I, I think as well, he's aware something's off. And I think perhaps he was aware of that two weeks ago and he's been working on it. And I think we can sort of expect to see some real change in our game style or in that sort of just that energy of camaraderie between the team members next week. The great thing too, is I think Rats has a really agile um, kind of way in which he works in that he's responsive and reactive and he tries to have a long game, but really evolve in real time. And it can't be an easy task to balance the needs of players' salaries and management and players who've been around for a long time with picking your top 22 and how you put everything together. And then on top of that, maintaining morale. And then on top of that, copping the slack from being in a public facing role and heading things up. And so I think for people to expect hat tricks over and over and over again, and for us to change from week to week, that's why I think working on the foundations of connectivity and finally having a consistent 22 and really capitalizing on, on a style of gameplay is maybe a little bit smarter because if you keep making all of these little pivots in the grand scheme of things, you never actually get to see if something can be capitalized upon. I think we've got a consistent like 30, not 22. I think rats, like you just said, needs to work on getting a consistent 22 or even a consistent 26 in terms of camaraderie, in terms of knowing each other and knowing each other's style of play. 26, I say, in order to be you know, aware of injury, aware of age of some of our top 22 players. And I think things will really turn around and I'm sure he's already doing that. So he says in the article that the two trade picks or draft picks or exchanges that St Kilda was really excited about it, the only ones that have justified their attention, he says, are Dougal Howard and Jack Higgins. And I would agree. I think Dougal Howard's outstanding. He's been outstanding from the second he got to the club, but he's a mature player. He's been playing for a long time. He knows how to work with people. But then he says that Dan Butler, Zach Jones, Bradley Hill and Brad Crouch are yet to hit their straps. Well, I think that's wrong. I think Zach Jones has really showed up and really made an impact on the contest from the get-go. And I think Dan Butler has, you know, this week, actually, I felt like he had more of an impact on contests. I wondered if they moved him back a little bit, but he just seemed to have a little more of an impact. Just an honourable article mention for this week. Ben Patton was one of our top 22 in the past couple seasons, I believe. And unfortunately, in training at the start of this year, he broke his fibula and tibia, which is a season ending injury, unfortunately. The article by Dylan Carmody on saints.com.au basically just mentions that other players from other teams have been reaching out to Ben, even Brownlow medalist Tom Mitchell, who are other players who've experienced the same, if not similar, injury. And I just think it's really great that other players from other teams, you know, reach out on their own terms to other players who have experienced an injury that they have had to go through rehab for and have gotten back on the field and, you know, played some great games. I just think it's a really nice article. Oh, I wish Dan Hanabry was back. He brings, see, Dan Hanabry, I think he brings this energy that brings everyone together because everybody loves him. So in terms of the morale boost he gives when he's on the field, I think it's like, I really think it's like no other. I don't know why. I just really feel that about him. 
True. And also, if you look at it, the past few weeks, we've sort of been down some older players, not in terms of experience, but just Paddy Ryder, Dan Hunnabry, for example. So let's move on to anecdotes from family members. Uh, little preface, they're not going to be very cheery this week. So I spoke to dad after the match. I got sent the purple devil angry face emoji twice so that tells you how we felt about this game I also spoke to him on the phone and he he surprisingly thinks we played better than we played against Melbourne Demons which I would I would agree I've got no comment easy yeah the only anecdote I've got is I just said to dad do you have an anecdote and he said nah terrible that's it Nah, terrible. Let's hope next week it's yes, brilliant. There we go. So we've got we've got we've got a recurring segment called Player PSA. So we're going to start today with jersey number fourteen, Geary, our co-skipper, Jaron Geary. Um, he is co-captain along with newly minted Jack Steele. Now, Jaron Geary's been with the Saints and only the Saints since he was draft pick number fifty-eight in the two thousand and six draft round playing 204 games as a halfback and midfielder. The boys respect him. He's got a good sense of humour. And he co-hosted Talking Jack with Jaram, with Jack Billings and another Jack, which was a podcast. Sophia, which was the other Jack? Jack Nunes, who has since been traded to Carlton. Just want to say, we'd love that podcast back, Jaron, Jack Billings. And, you know, you can, you can add Jack Higgins to it. There you go, third Jack. That's exactly what I was about to say. I was going to say, if you bring back your podcast, we stop. We'll, we promise we'll stop making ours. So I've prepared a little bit of trivia Ooh. for Sophia. Ooh. Multiple choice. Oh, it's a it's a game. So, who did Geary replace as captain in 2017? Oh, this is easy. A. Blake Akers. B. David Armitage. C. Nick Rewalt. Or D. Stephen Milne. I think everyone listening now can all say with me on three, one, two, three, C. That is hundred percent correct. I thought we'd start with an easy one. So Blake Akers was with us for 75 games now at Fremantle back in his home turf. Mm. David Armitage, he played only for St. Kilda for his whole career from 2007 to 2019. And Stephen Milne, of course, couldn't have been the captain because he retired in 2013. Number two, who did Geary play his hundredth game against? A, Port Adelaide, B, Brisbane Lions, C, Carlton, or D, Hawthorne? Oh, I'm going to go with C, Carlton. Incorrect. <gasps> D, Port Adelaide. Hawthorne. Oh, no. So, Geary's 100th game was marked by a broken arm in 2014 against Hawthorne, which ended his season. Bad luck. But a fun fact, his 200th game was also against Hawthorne. Number three, what's Geary's top disposals in a game? A, 34, B, 25, C, 33, D, 28. D, 28. Incorrect. A, 34. And the top disposals of all time are actually Tom Mitchell for Hawthorne with 54 disposals in one game in 2018 versus Collingwood. Number four, getting into the more personal side of things. How many siblings does Jaron Geary have? A, four, B, five, 
C, six, or D, two? D, two. He has five siblings. <gasps> he's one so of six? He's one of six. He's got two younger twin brothers, two older brothers, and an older sister. And I think you can tell he's got an older sister and you can tell he's got a lot of brothers. He just kind of seems that way. His parents had huge families. So his mum was one of 14. And his dad, I believe, was one of 10. And his mum was a real sports player. So she played netball. And she was actually reportedly a bit better than his dad who played footy and cricket. So it's pretty, you know, pretty clear that he'd grow up playing a lot of sports, especially with his siblings, because you've got half a team there, right there with your group of six siblings, a third of a team. So thanks to Milestones and Misses for that uh, that info on, on our beloved Geary. And uh, last but not least, what is Geary's star sign? <gasps> oh, this must become a weekly question. So I'll give you a, I'll give you one hint. He stoically gets the job done, but he's a bit of a larrikin. A, Capricorn. B, Aquarius. C, Aries. D, Cancer. A, Capricorn. D, he is a Cancer, but he is basically on the cusp of Gemini. Geary's born on the 23rd of June, 1988, which makes him a young 32 years old. There you go. Love that. Sophie, you want to give us a closeout? So next week we are playing Hawthorne, who are 15th on the ladder. We are currently 16th. We are playing them Saturday, May 1st at Marvel Stadium, our home ground. Bounce down is 4.35 p.m. Melbourne time. So we won the last two games when we met them. So let's hope the Saints have a higher place in the sky than the Hawks. And with that cheesy embrace, we'll let you go. Have a great week. If you want to give us your feedback or your comments or suggest some segments for Two Girls, One Club, please email us at St Kilda's, the number two, girls at gmail.com. That's St Kilda's, two girls at gmail.com. Have a lovely week. That was not inside floor speaking color, but conscious effort not to say it so that I don't have to edit. Um, gosh, it's really annoying that we're not kicking straight, and I think it's that sort of not being able to concede. Uh, decaf coffee, please. <laughs>